There once was an athlete named Milo Croden, who carried a newborn calf as a part of his training foundation. He would march through the countryside with the calf on his back. For four years, he would train religiously as a matter of fact. And as the calf turned into a bull, Milo's strength grew and grew. And he became one of the greatest wrestlers to ever rule. Chapter 13. Draw Greatness from a Healthy Network The habits you consume from your network are contagious, for better or worse. We represent the average of our social connections, and if we're not careful, we could be siphoning off unwanted energy. Learn to evaluate a healthy network and deflect unproductive practices that can disrupt your progress. Depend on your network for clarity when the world gets too noisy. A strong community includes people that share your vision and will help you identify your destination. Lean on your network to restore focus toward your ideals. Within your fateful collective, it's essential to have mentors that can boost your talents, take care of your overall well-being, and construct the groundwork for a robust financial education. However, we must learn to discern excellent knowledge from trivial distractions. Scrutinize the information you consume and select your influences wisely. Focus on finding mentors that can heighten your potential. You are the average of your network, so determine your band of misfits wisely. Be deliberate with the people you spend time with and understand that your existence significantly influences others. Give strength to others through mutual support and watch your success grow like wildfire. How's it, everyone? My name is Michael Kabuko, and welcome to another episode of the Love Notes for Life podcast, your creative space for amplifying greatness through gratitude. You know what the best part of art school is? Here's a hint. Not the art, and I thoroughly enjoyed the process and the painting mileage. However, the best part of art school was learning life lessons from artists. Creatives see the world in a very expansive way, and every artist and mentor that I had the opportunity to learn from had, at minimum, one life-changing advice that I've kept close to my heart throughout all these years. During my time studying visual development, I had the pleasure of learning from Victoria Ying, an artist known for her work at Disney Animation on movies such as Tangled, Wreck-It Ralph, Big Hero 6, and Moana. Beyond animation, she wrote and illustrated the graphic novel series City of Secrets and City of Illusion. There is no doubt that her repertoire was quite astonishing, but as I got to know her, I was more impressed by her personality and approach to life. Within the first week of class, she brought up a valuable question that resonated well with me. She set up a simple yet invigorating question. What do you want in life in two years? four years, and eventually 10 years. The question is a common one asked during job interviews. However, I never thought of it in the context of life outside of work. For a lot of young artists and professionals, it's so easy to get trapped in the career mindset. For example, especially in the visual development field, most students and young professionals want to immediately work for their dream companies. I mean, I was in the same boat. I too dreamed of working in the major league, places like Pixar, Disney, or even DreamWorks. 
However, what Victoria reminded me was to question the why. She wanted us to realize the meaning behind our intentions and understand what we truly wanted to get out of working for these companies. She challenged us to look beyond the accolades and identify what we cherished and valued in life. It was in that moment that I realized a few things. One, I still really wanted to work at Disney Animation, and at the time, I was willing to sacrifice a lot of life experiences for it. And two, more importantly, I knew that one day that I would need to pull back on the career gas pedal in order to make up for life experiences that I had missed. That was my dilemma, and I knew that my hunger for success in all aspects of life would need to be tempered and controlled eventually. Which brings us to 2021, where my obsession for working in the concept art industry did take a toll on my mental, physical, and spiritual health. It was July 2021, and I finally had the courage to step on the weight scale. And after the inevitable beep rang, I was surprised to see the following numbers. Two, four, zero. Yep, 240 pounds on the dot. The heaviest I've ever been in my life. And I felt horrible. Like, how did I let myself go? I knew I had my moments of my weight yo-yoing up and down, but typically I was fairly decent at eventually bringing my weight back down. However, this time around, I went way too far, and I got myself into a predicament that could have been totally avoidable. But here we were, in way too deep, past my breaking point, and now I had to seriously step up. If I had any sense of control in my life, then the moment was now. I wasn't going to live the rest of my life as this person that I did not recognize. I had to shatter my old self to be the person that I wanted to be. Feeling motivated yet? (laughs) Better yet, was that enough drive to change my life? (laughs) Not so fast. And I'm sure my mentor Victoria would challenge me to look deeper. It wasn't enough and I needed to dig deeper. I had to ask myself tougher questions. Why was it so important for me to lose fat, to get healthy, and to look a particular way? Was it some sort of pursuit of vanity? I mean, why did this mean so much to me? The truth is my drive to fix my fitness stemmed from my fear of abandonment and rejection in a multitude of areas in my life. I know it sounds shallow, borderline first world problems, but I had this notion that if my health was shot and I didn't look like the image of confidence, then I would be doomed to being the average guy, to being basic and living life as static. I feared an ordinary life. However, I'll be the first one to tell you that after losing 80 pounds of weight, hitting my fitness milestones, and finally being content with my physique, I'm still the same person dealing with the same problems, living every day just trying to make sense of it all. Did I still fear the idea of being alone? Yes, sir. Did I fear that I wasn't living up to my true potential? Why, of course. And did I want more out of life? 
Well, I'm still working 12-hour days running this brand while maintaining a sense of composure at my day job, aren't I? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Losing all that fat was great. And I'm more confident and happier about how I visualize myself. But I don't want anyone to get the impression that fitness is some sort of magical pill that will fix your life like that, and you'll be happy for the rest of your life. I still struggle occasionally with stepping up, being present when necessary, and the fear that my obsession with winning in the career department will overtake my personal needs for building stronger relationships with others. It's all out there, and I'm working on it. Trust me. And I hope you still have faith in me when I admit that I'm doing the work to get better. Yet that's the beautiful part of fitness. It taught me to be content and patient even during the chaos of everyday life. Fitness taught me discipline, how to stay committed to my goals, and the power of living life at optimum human performance. It taught me that what we desire in life isn't acquired in seconds, but rather accomplished over time. Fitness showed me that life is a marathon with a multitude of many, many goals along the way that gets you closer to your ultimate vision in life. Identify the destination, gather the essentials, and be open to learning along the way. Fitness taught me that, and I wouldn't be where I'm at without my mentors. So I'd like to take a moment and give a big shout out to five key individuals that helped me along the way. To Coach Kozak and Claudia at HasFit. Thank you for teaching me the invaluable power of home workouts and staying active. During the age of COVID, your work at HasFit and the tremendous amount of fitness routines you've made accessible via YouTube was integral to the early stages of my fitness journey. Before I had the privilege of heading back into the gym, your videos allowed me to focus on the importance of just showing up and doing the work because it was the right thing to do. So thank you. To my fellow Hapa Filipino brother, Jeremy Ether, the genius behind Built With Science, thank you for opening my eyes to the science of fitness. Your video resources expanded my knowledge of bodybuilding, fitness, and the greatest part of it all was that you were constantly backing all of your information with science. Thank you for the motivation and for providing a fitness training protocol that I've stuck with since day one. Finally, I'd like to thank the three mad scientists that pretty much locked down my fitness protocol. Dr. Andrew Huberman, Dr. Andy Galpin, and Dr. Lane Norton. Thank you. Your conversations on the Huberman Lab podcast gave me all the answers that I needed to develop a sustainable fitness protocol. I owe a huge amount of gratitude to your lengthy discussions on fitness and your devotion to providing clean and well-guided information on the science of fitness, nutrition, psychology, and for giving me the power to live a happy and healthy life. Thank you so much for your interest in science. 
So by the end of today's discussion, I hope that I can provide you all with the essentials of my fitness protocol built upon the giants that I mentioned previously. I understand that fitness can be overwhelming, so I'll try my best to be concise in my delivery. For a deeper dive into the science, I do highly suggest looking into the resources provided by Jeremy Ether and the Huberman Lab podcast episodes between Dr. Andrew Huberman, Dr. Andy Galpin, and Dr. Lane Norton. However, for the sake of today's discussion, let's keep it short and sweet, shall we? So my fitness protocol can be divided into three parts, nutrition, training, and emotional well-being. So let's start with nutrition. Calories in, calories out. True. However, there's one more important guiding principle. Not all calories are created equal, which brings me to the importance of the three essential macronutrients carbohydrates, fat, and protein. So each macronutrient has a different TEF, or thermic effect of food, which measures how many calories is required to digest that macronutrient. For example, fat provides 9 calories per gram, with its TEF at 0-5%. Carbohydrates provides 4 calories per gram, with its TEF at 5-15%. And lastly, protein provides 4 calories per gram, with its TEF at 20-30%. To simplify the idea, think about macros as three different dollar bills. Fat, carbs, and protein can represent, let's say, one, five, and a twenty dollar bill respectively. At plain sight, they're just printed paper. However, in a financial sense, we all inherently understand that twenty dollars is more than one dollar bill, and it takes more effort and time to earn those twenty dollars compared to that one dollar bill. The same goes for macros. Your nutrition is the first line of defense in losing weight in the form of fat, maintaining muscle, and gaining strength along the way. It's doable. But it first begins with a fundamental understanding of your baseline nutritional needs. So how do you figure out the right calories and macronutrients to consume? Well, thankfully for you and me, we live in the 21st century, and there are macro calculators all over the place. Ergo, the internet. So a great starting point is to use the If It Fits Your Macro Calculator, which is available at iifym.com forward slash macro dash calculator. You just need to answer a few questions, your athletic goals and history, and it'll generate and email you a detailed calorie and macro report that you can use as a baseline. In addition, if you want a more dynamic macro tool, I highly suggest looking into one of Jeremy Ether's Built with Science fitness programs that includes a nutritional tracking software, or Dr. Lane Norton's Carbon app. I personally use Jeremy Ether's Built with Science program, And for my listeners, I'll leave a discount code below that you can use to get 30% off any Built with Science program, which also includes the tracker that I mentioned beforehand. Now, the first few weeks are critical to establishing your true baseline requirements. The success of your fitness protocol is dependent on figuring out the three phases of your fitness regimen cutting, bulking, or maintaining. In other words, you'll need to identify the right macro spread versus caloric needs to lose, gain, and maintain weight. That is the number one thing to figure out, especially in the beginning of your fitness journey. Typically, your first week on a new fitness protocol will be dynamic. 
So don't get too emotional during your first week and focus on the upcoming weeks, which will better reflect the accuracy of your baseline nutritional requirements. For example, let's say for the first few weeks, you notice that you're gaining weight per your macro recommendation. Then it's recommended to slightly lower your caloric intake and reevaluate after a few weeks. Now this is for if you're in a cutting phase. And the same goes if you're losing too much weight. If your weight loss is extremely rapid and you've noticed a depletion of energy and strength, then you'll need to bump up or reintroduce more calories into your diet. In the beginning, these fluctuations can be disheartening, but it's essential to trust the process. So once you've locked down your nutrition, then we can focus on the second part of your fitness, which is the training protocol. So Dr. Andy Galpin provided a great framework for thinking about fitness. Essentially, you want to treat your fitness protocol like seasons of life or quarter systems. So within a year, we can divide our fitness regiments into four quarters of 12 weeks. For quarter one, from January to March, we'll utilize the season to be in a hypercaloric state or a high calorie diet to facilitate muscle growth and strength development. During quarter one, I'll be more focused on low reps and lifting heavier weights. Now for quarter two, from April to June, we'll then enter a hypocaloric state or a low calorie diet to facilitate fat loss. During quarter two, we'll be transitioning into focusing more on higher reps and lifting less weight. In addition, we'll start ramping up cardio intensity compared to quarter one. For quarter three from July to September, we'll then transition into maintenance calories to maintain weight. So during this period, I'll jump back to focusing on weight training as my high priority followed by cardio. Again, while I shift into quarter three, I'm still focused on sustainability at baseline performance while providing opportunity for performance gains in strength. Now lastly, quarter four from October to December, I'll enter a hybrid maintenance caloric phase to allow some flexibility for the holidays. The important part is not to beat yourself up if you have an off day nutrition wise due to the inevitable holiday get togethers. Play into it, but just be mindful and don't overdo it. So during the final quarter, we'll switch back to focusing more on endurance training and getting your cardiorespiratory fitness up. So this will mimic my quarter two's training load, but we'll utilize the additional calories to further improve your cardiovascular performance. Now there's one more critical element that is non-negotiable, which is utilizing a deload week every six weeks. So during deload week, you'll jump back on maintenance calories and either A, completely take the week off of training, or B, offload your training by reducing your target intensity by 20% and exercise duration by 50%. Deload training allows your body to fully recover from the constant wear and tear produced by prolonged training. It is a phase of the training program that promotes joint health, helps you reduce the chances of injury, and alleviates mental fatigue. It is critical for success, and it will allow you to play this game of fitness well into the years of becoming qualified for an AARP membership. Lastly, the third part of my fitness protocol is emotional well-being. So it's great to hit your fitness goals, but it's even better to hit your life goals. Remember your why, your reason for embracing fitness in the first place. 
It's so easy to get sucked up in the whirlpool of success, but it's essential to step back, reflect, and recall why you decided to step up and change your life in the first place. What do you want in life in two years, four years, and eventually 10 years? In two years, I want to establish sustainable fitness habits to improve my mental, physical, and spiritual health. In four years, I need to optimize my fitness and my health to be fully present for the people that mean the world to me. In 10 years, I look forward to looking back at a full life surrounded by family and friends and feeling content that I'm exactly where I need to be. Thanks y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Love Notes for Life podcast. I look forward to continuing this conversation of awareness and amplifying greatness through gratitude. My book, Love Notes for Life, is now available on Barnes & Noble with the direct link in the show notes below. If you're enjoying the Love Notes for Life podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple, and other major podcast platforms. For a behind-the-scenes look on new merch dropping soon, be sure to follow me at MikeKabuko on Instagram or Twitter. Thanks y'all for the support, and always remember, there is beauty in knowing that there is only one of you. Take care.